You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Sugar, spice, everything nice, and Chemical X. These are the ingredients to make the perfect superpowered little girls. Today, we're going to talk about the ingredients necessary to make the perfect Harrison Ford film. Welcome back to Systematic Geekology, the show that has no bounds. We will go to all of the geekdoms. We'll even invent geekdoms. We invented one for today's episode, the Harrison Ford (laughs) Fan Club. And hey, if you want to be a part of our fan club, you should go on over to patreon.com slash systematic geekology subscribe to one of our tiers to unlock great bonus content more episodes yay for more content i'm one of your hosts for today's episode working girl brandon i am joined here today by blade runner joe and the devil's own josh gentlemen how's summer treating you all i mean it's my favorite holiday the weather is your favorite holiday yes yes (laughs) I am uh, I'm very sleepy and uh, that has nothing to do with the heat. It just has to do with, you know, me not sleeping. And today on the way on the way home from work, I, uh, I fell asleep for a little bit. I ended up on the wrong side of the road. So oh, uh, my my perfect solution for that, I've, I've discovered over the years, metal music doesn't phase me. I will fall asleep with heavy death metal on just does nothing. Rap, same thing. But if I play the Disney's Hercules soundtrack, oh my it's impossible for me to sleep. So. That's what I did on the way home today. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Whatever works. Joe, what's up with you? Oh, man. I have been taking every single opportunity to um, go, seemingly go, to go to the movies. I've uh, years without going to the movies. And then hmm. uh, there's they do a series of um, back into theater specials and things like that. And I feel like I've been to cool. the movies a lot so far this summer. That's really cool. Nice. I'm excited. It is. Uh, it's way too hot here. So I've just been in the AC with my two month old who also hates the heat. He was so crabby yesterday. That's it. That's all that I, I don't like. Sorry, Josh. I don't like the summer. I, I'm just not convinced that I get hot. If I could do a line like Anakin Skywalker talking about sand, that's how I feel about summer. That's how I feel about winter. Perfect mix. <laughs> Perfect mix. There we'll we meet in fall and spring, and then uh, we'll just That's you know, right. stay inside the other two seasons. That's right. Well, hey, if you've been following along with the show, you know that every Friday during the summer, we are doing a special bonus series called the SG Drive-In, where we're highlighting great summer blockbusters. And we just finished a run of Harrison Ford films. Harrison Ford seems to be the king there for a while of the summer blockbuster action flicks. We did Mm -hmm. two of the Indiana Jones films, two of the Jack Ryan films. And Josh said, give me more, give me more, give me more. So we're here (laughs) today to talk about just quickly highlighting some other great Harrison Ford films. Probably at some point we'll go even more in depth on some of these films in just full blown episodes, but also talk about what makes a Harrison Ford film great. I believe in the group chat, the the way that Joe put it was the anatomy of a Harrison Ford film. What is the anatomy of a Harrison (laughs) Ford? So let's just start there. What do you need? What is the recipe for a good Harrison Ford film? So I'm going to jump in with um, with theme song, right? You look at all of these different (laughs) IPs that Harrison Ford is attached to that people love. And there's always this kind of uh, bombastic, I guess is a good way of putting it, uh, soundtrack that's involved. You have um, something that's catchy and something that kind of crescendos. Uh, Fun facts, Harrison Ford films have a... um, they're closed captioned in a way and the, the, they're designed in a way that way uh, deaf, the, the deaf community can understand what it is that they're experiencing by the vibrations of the actual uh, theme song. Fun fact, I learned that when going through um, the movies for the SG drive-in. But yeah, that's hmm. you've got to start hmm. the conversation, I think, at you know, that that kind of big, almost larger than life theme song is really the the backdrop that allows for all of the other pieces that we're going to talk about to be able to fit together. I 
was slightly aggravated at the timing that this this came up on. And I knew it was coming at four and still decided I can just watch part of Air Force One. <laughs> Bad decision. I just I'm aching to finish it once I'm done mowing today. Um, but that, I brought it up because the theme for Air Force One, I forgot how phenomenal that was. Like that was just bravo. I mean, it doesn't get talked about enough because, you know, you have Star Wars and Indiana Jones when you're talking about the themes of Harrison, Harrison Ford films. But Air Force One's theme, I feel like it deserves a spot up there. Okay. That's how I felt about Clear and Present Danger. I thought the Clear and Present Danger soundtrack was really good. It might not be as bombastic as like an Indiana Jones or a um, or a Star Wars, but still very quality ambiatic music. Yeah, absolutely. So we're starting off here with music. We have to have a great soundtrack or at least a great theme to the rest of the movie what else what else comes to mind when you're thinking harrison ford i know for me this isn't true of all of his characters but he oftentimes plays a unassuming guy who gets into a predicament that is so much bigger than himself air force one great example yeah he's the president of the united states but that's really it and yet he's going to you know tell Gary Oldman to get off his plane. And it's the best scene of that movie. <laughs> or you look at other movies like The Devil's Own, where he's a police officer, again, gets swept up into a bigger narrative that's going on. The Fugitive, he's just a doctor swept up into a greater play. narrative. He's oftentimes just a normal person. Yeah, which also part of why Temple of Doom is the best Indiana Jones film. Because at that point, that's the first chronologically, and he's just mm -hmm. he's just some archaeologist who just gets wrapped up in this crazy thing that just doesn't stop the whole movie. And like, what is going on here? But I would also uh, there's something I was going to bring up with that was he's always kind of unassuming and then becomes the hero. But okay. it, there seems to be a divide of early Harrison Ford with like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, where he's like a womanizer and he's just kind of a doing my own thing kind of guy. Okay, and then. Later on, he's more seen as the family guy and like Air Force One, the fugitive. Sure. Um, clear and present danger. Uh, obvious Patriot Games. It's like the whole beat of the film. So a family man unassuming drops the womanizer thing, which we can be all for. Yeah. Like halfway through, he's like, eh, I'm going to do this instead. Although lately, I guess he's re revisiting the uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think one of the to your point, Brandon, I think one of the most marketable things about in or about Harrison Ford is he totes this line of being like a Sylvester Stallone type or sure. like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type where he's very clearly, you know, a, an action hero sort of thing. Mm -hmm. He has that, you know, chiseled jaw look to him and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, like rugged man. But at the same token, you look at somebody, You again, you look at clear and present danger. That's probably, I keep pointing back to that one because that's <laughs> that's kind of symbolic of the other side of the coin for him because it's so easy to think about the more fast-paced action films that he's a part of, the Indiana Jones, the Star Wars of it all, all mm -hmm. of that. But for something like clear and present danger or Patriot Games or Air Force One, you know, any of those movies... He is more of that every man sort of sort of character that mm -hmm. anybody can kind of see themselves in, you know? Yeah. Uh, for those who didn't know, uh, Air Force One is what inspired uh, George W. Bush to say that he will not negotiate with terrorists. Uh, it's also what inspired Biden to take the first female vice president. Uh, that's not true, but I'm going to pretend like it is just because I like Harrison Ford better than any either of them. So, you know, Fair enough. I can roll with that. And <laughs> I'm going to take that and just keep moving along to Joe's point of I, I like that he is this action hero in these films, but also more. And yeah. what I think that really ties it all in, and this is just this is my take on why Harrison Ford films did so well. Girls liked him because the chiseled jaw and he, he looked, you know, whatever. The same thing that Chris Pratt gets today. I think that the reason a lot of guys got behind Harrison Ford films is because he makes you feel like you could be that hero. Right. Yeah. Like I'm watching The Fugitive thinking, yeah, I could do that. I could totally do that. I mean, I couldn't. But, you know, you think you can while you're watching it. 
Yeah, I think that was something else I was going to say that, yeah, Harrison Ford definitely has the jawline, but in an era of guys like Joe, you were saying Sylvester Mm -hmm. Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme, these guys who were jacked beyond all reason. Harrison Ford was a pretty normal guy. He body type wise, he almost goes back to that earlier era when you had guys like uh, blanking on all of the names, Steve McQueen or (laughs) uh, John Wayne, who they could throw a really good right hook. And that's Mm -hmm, all they needed. And a lot of times for Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's got the bullwhip, but he just needs one really good punch and out you go. Yeah, a lot of times when you talk about these action heroes, there tends to be uh, different uh, classes, I guess, of different sections of it where, you know, all of those guys that you mentioned, Brandon, kind of end up in the same conversation together because they are more of the alpha male type, the type where you you look at them and that is an example of what was considered peak masculinity at that Mm -hmm. period in time. And then you have guys like Bruce Willis, you have guys like Mm. Harrison Ford, who are a little bit more unassuming, but still somebody that in the moment, in the heat of the moment, which is a different 80s action movie, um, (laughs) not by Harrison Ford, um, that (laughs) have the, you know, you, you, see how they operate you see how how they're you know they're the everyman but when it comes down to it woe betide anybody that gets in their way you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you know that they will if they have to move a mountain in order to make whatever it is that they're trying to make happen happen yeah yeah and air force one you have the oh he flee he ran away because he's the president and he's just you know whatever and then it turns out yeah he didn't flee he's harrison ford man (laughs) He's going to come out there and fight for his family because the whole reason he didn't leave, even though he was president and should have left Mm -hmm. because his family was still on there. He wasn't about to leave them. And I feel like that's just the beat throughout. Once you leave the Indiana Jones era, that's the beat of Harrison Ford films. He is the family Mm -hmm. guy. And what what I find interesting with that is part of this is Harrison Ford as a person just grew and it was interesting how his roles kind of grew with him because he he talks a lot about during the original Star Wars films while they were filming some of the stuff that happened with Kara Fisher and all this other stuff that really wasn't OK by his own standard, he said. But he turned around and he doesn't do that kind of stuff and he whatever. What I find fascinating was he was open about the fact that, yeah, the stuff happened that shouldn't have happened. Hmm, and interesting. You don't see a lot of that honesty from actors really anymore. Yeah. That's that's probably one of the one of my favorite things and probably one of the things that I point to that 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 is the reason why you see most people still he's still beloved in most people's eyes like he's still it's Harrison Ford. You know what I mean? He hasn't been subject (laughs) to that same kind of um retroactive cancel culture that has a way of poking around. Um, You know, it's not that he was a perfect man because Hollywood at the time that he was at his heyday, um, I mean, Hollywood still messed up place, but it was a messed up place. You know, it only only takes a short trip uh, down memory lane of doing the due diligence on what was happening um, in the 70s and 80s and on past that, but really the 70s and 80s, um, where a lot of this stuff is just, um, it was gross. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of really mm-hmm. gross stuff going on. So to hear him address it thoughtfully in a way that you just kind of get the vibe that he isn't just sorry that he got caught in trying to stay one mm-hmm. step ahead of it. Like when you hear him talk about it, I, I I don't know. I get the sense of remorsefulness about what has happened, and hopefully, in hopes that maybe the next generation can maybe do it a little bit better than they did. Yeah, and it's. Also, because he came out ahead of it, like it wasn't he got caught. It was he he was. Yeah, yeah, he was ahead of it. And I feel like that's that's one of those big. I don't know. I I have no idea the state of Harrison Ford's soul or anything. So I will not speak on that. (laughs) But I will speak to the church because there are a lot of these cases that get open and there's these non-disclosure agreements being signed and all this craziness. And it's, hey, if you actually want to avoid some of this, a lot of times uh, own up to your mistakes before they are 
you know, revealed because you kept them in secret. You know, we're all going to make mistakes. Hopefully not those kind of mistakes, but we're all going to make mistakes. Come out ahead of it. Apologize. That's sort of the Christian way. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't guarantee that everything will all work out, but there's absolutely value in just just being honest about the mm-hmm. mess up or whatever that mess up is, you know? Yeah. Well, going back to the, the topic at hand, what else makes a Harrison Ford film other than Harrison Ford? <laughs> Harrison Ford's an unassuming guy and also a killer soundtrack. So what else comes to mind? What are the unifying pieces here? Um, Family. I guess I kind of already said that. A lot of action. There has to be a unique, cool action and good filmography. It can't just be, you know, we're filming him fight stuff. Like the angles and stuff usually are pretty good in these films. Okay. Like pretty interesting. They're not like you're just normal films. That's true. Especially when you think like, I mean, Star Wars and Indiana Jones are both Spielberg, George Lucas. Yeah. Well, even Fugitive, they do a really good job at like highlighting not what you would expect in each scene, if that makes sense. It was just really interesting how they brought out the whole picture of what's going on. And Fugitive was just crazy good movie all around, which at some point I would also like to let's just do a Tommy Lee Jones fan club because I, I, I also love most of his films. I didn't kill her. I don't care. Best line in that movie. <laughs> my yeah. brother, my brother died. Every time we watch this, my brother would die laughing. There's the scene where um, the lady's freaking out because someone broke into her house and like the police are going through and Tommy Lee Jones just walks through the one room and just go, shut up. <laughs> just keeps walking. <laughs> my brother dies I, every time. I can also <laughs> confirm because line. somebody asked me this once, so I will confirm for everybody else. Yes, Chicago does die the Chicago River green, as you see in that scene where they're filming the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Chicago. Yes, they actually do diet green. People wanted to know if that's a real thing that happens, and the answer is yes. Fascinating. All right. Wow, well, Joe's suddenly very, <laughs> I'm suddenly very angry at the entirety of the city of Chicago. <laughs> well, that being said. Happens every year. Happens every uh, year. You can also go to any bar in Chicago and get a Miller Lite dyed green as well. Nice. Is there... Anything else we would include as needs to be included for a Harrison Ford film? I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Like he almost, it's almost like he happens upon something bigger than himself. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Hero's narrative type of thing. Right. Right. He, and this might go into the whole unassuming guy thing, but you know, you look at Han Solo and he gets caught up in this galactic war. You look at, uh, Indiana Jones and even just in the first one, you know, Indiana Jones comes upon this relic that is so much bigger than him and just kind of like, he, he gives it respect, but he's very, it's very clearly all bigger than him. And then any one of his Jack Ryan movies are all like part of him as in part of this larger government spider web of nonsense and things going on <laughs> that, you know, is just. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Patriot Games is literally just, you know, I was in London and I saw someone trying to assassinate somebody else it made me really angry. So I just did something. About it. Right. Or um, I, chronologically, the first Indiana Jones with Temple of Doom. He's he's making a deal at a casino. And somehow the next thing you know, he's at this temple in the middle of India and he finds the Sankara stones, which are um, based on, if you didn't know, the civil Ajina, which is a uh, stone handed down from the Hindu god Shiva to her priest that have healing power powers, which is basically the Hindu version of the, uh, not the Hindu version of the Ark, but it's the same kind of equivalence. If you're kind of part of that religion, it had like a huge significance in that way. Just pretty interesting for, for me. Who's just, that. you know, a religion nerd. Thank you for addressing that. Yeah. Cause I think in the episode where Joe and I talk about the last crusade, we were like, and also there's some rocks. Don't know what those, cause we were talking about <laughs> I was how screaming the artifacts, at my headphones while I was editing that. <laughs> I was like, guys, guys, well, no, I mean, no, they're from Shiva. I even knew the crystal skulls were like a thing. I knew that that's a thing, but I didn't know that. I did not your know episode. that this. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah I knew things. about the stones, that's but didn't thing. know about the crystal skull until y'all's episode. And I was like, that's that's pretty funny. But yeah, uh, which is what 
I think that's part of what irritated me about the last crusade. I won't get into it too much, but I thought it was, it was weird how you went from Judaism, arguably the world's oldest religion to Hinduism, which is arguably the world's oldest religion to back to Christianity. And I was like, man, I'm, I was kind of hoping for another religion to be explored in that third film. And oh, that's not what they did. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But I don't usually cool hear still. that complaint, but that's a, that's a unique perspective. It's, it's less of a complaint and more of a, I had wrong expectations when I first watched the trilogy. <laughs> Cause I was a kid who, you know, I never learned about religion until I saw the second Indiana Jones film. And I was like, there's other religions. This is interesting. What other one am I going to learn about? And it's like, Oh, that's just my religion. <laughs> you, uh, that's lame. You do know, these aren't necessarily educational films, right? <laughs> Listen, I was using them as an excuse to educate myself. <laughs> But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that there's anything wrong with Harrison Ford going out there and exploring these different things. So I'm right there with you that I think one of the strongest things about Indiana Jones, but also Harrison Ford's style of doing things is he is that perfect foil for being able to explore something bigger and thus yeah. makes him a fantastic candidate for doing something like that. Like I, I, if anybody that I could think of would be able to pull that off, I would point to Harrison Ford. Yeah. And that's, what's interesting is you get caught up in the relatability, like just somehow how he acts. You're just like, it's believable. So you're there with him. Yeah. Which I'll argue part of that might be because he's a real life action hero. If you looked up the amount of times he got injured while trying to film a film because he was actually out saving people crazy. Anyway, he he really brings you in because he makes it feel so real. And then he gets caught up in this huge other narrative. And then there you are. You're caught up right there with him. <laughs> right. I got one more piece. Uh, we, we brought up Family Man and we brought up maybe a little bit of a womanizer. I will say this. Usually there's a love interest, whether that is yeah. a spouse or Princess Leia, or he does have a small handful of chick flicks <laughs> in his in his arsenal with working girl sabrina uh what's that one six days seven nights i think that's what six that one's seven called nights, yeah yeah like so he does have because we have established he is a good looking guy he's got that jawline he's got those eyes every girl at some point has written on her eyelids i love you just like the girl in the uh that first indiana jones film but I think that's usually a common thing as well, is that there is some type of love interest involved. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I, I, I whatever. He's really good at that, too. <laughs> like, he's okay. like, he's so good at expressing feelings the way that I, like, the way that I feel them, as opposed to, like, a lot of your more classical actors who kind of, in, in my opinion, overact. He doesn't overact, okay. which makes me believe it more. Who's an overactor? Give us one example. Tom you, Cruise. You know, <laughs> not you. We yes. know your feelings yes, on Tom, Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little more, more, uh, I'll be controversial here. Leonardo, uh, what's his name? Oh, I DiCaprio. Absolutely. Yeah. Super my head went to Ninja Gets on my nerves. <laughs> yes, the Ninja Turtles all overact everything. I mean, come Especially on, you're a turtle. really hurt that bad. <laughs> DiCaprio, you think DiCaprio is an overactor? Yes, absolutely. You know who else is an overactor who also isn't really acting? I just refuse to call what he does acting. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not even not acting. acting. That's just that's just mocking other people's emotions and then thinking that you're acting. Oh, this is what love is like. No, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> you're just crying. That's all you're doing. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like holding Cooper. <laughs> And when I laugh hard, it wakes him up. This is really hard, but that I agree with everything you said about him. Listen, this is this is synopsis of Star Wars. Uh, the regulars and the prequels is the regulars were great because they had great actors, including my favorite actor, Harrison Ford. The prequels sucked because they had my wor bad acting, including my least favorite actor. <laughs> there Fair you go. Enough. Yeah. Hey, that's a good turn for the next thing I wanted to ask you guys. So. Joe, you and I, we talked about this, about Sean Connery in our last Crusade episode, how a lot of times actors and actresses go through this phase where they change roles. Sean Connery, James Bond throughout the majority of his career, at least at what we all know him as, later in his life started playing old man characters. Or you got guys like Adam Sandler, who, you know, Steve Carell, 
comedies and now they're serious drama actors. Or on the flip side, you had Leslie Nielsen, who went from drama actor to making the Naked Gun films. Harrison Ford, what has the the more <laughs> recent half of his career, his turn into the old man? What is his more recent career looked like? Nostalgia bait. Uh, Nostalgia. I, I, you know what? I liked I liked um, I liked his performance in some of them, specifically his performance in uh, Call of the Wild. Not a great movie, but his performance was pretty solid. Oh, OK. I actually have not seen that one. Should. It's it's fine. It's it's yeah. it's a serviceable shut your brain off kind of movie. So basically it's a Harrison yeah. Ford flick. If he um, wasn't in it, it would not be worth it. it exactly. Yeah. He yeah. is, in fact, the best thing about that movie. Yeah. He's like the king of the requels, you know, yeah. Indiana Jones also, 4 soon to come out uh, five next year. Yes, we know there is no four. There is no five. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, the Star Wars sequels trilogy. The, most of the movies he has made later on in his career are requels. Here's an adaption. Here's a new thing. Next chapter, kind of a reboot. Or he basically plays himself. I'm thinking yeah. like his role in Anchorman 2 or in The Expendables 3. He basically <laughs> is himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll say... In A Force Awakens, Star Wars A Force Awakens, he was easily the best part. I actually liked his performance in it. I liked his character still. Okay. I, I thought the the arc of him basically trying to save his son and dying doing so was interesting. Okay. It was the rest of how they handled that. I really think the foil of the sequel Star Wars to me wasn't the acting or anything as much as it was Disney doesn't understand Star Wars fans. So the thing is, okay. if you were going to do any storyline, you had to see it all the way through and realize that Star Wars fans were going to complain until it was over. And Disney didn't understand that. So they just kept trying to change it each movie, which made it worse and made it feel very directionless. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, I think that's why it's so hard for me to conceptualize to conceptualize what it is that you're saying, because for me, it bothers me when like looking at the entirety of what could have been with the um with Han Solo's reintroduction back into the series that because of everything that was left on the table it's very hard for me to say you know oh that was interesting it was interesting it was interesting to see him it was interesting to start the conversation about him being some kind of family man that got scared and split and all of those kinds of things and like the issues that stemmed up and all of that. Yes, I understand the cry from the Star Wars community that they would have rather seen Leia and Han stay together and still be a happy family and like they are in Legends canon and all of that kind of stuff. Yes, I get all of that. But there is a world that if done well and presented well, you could see that presented as kind of like a redemption arc. You know, let that let that pay off. So maybe he kills Han in the second one of the trilogy rather than like the first one with next to no emotional payoff or anything like that. Like it, it's a yeah. cool instance. And I understand why it happened from a behind the scenes standpoint, but it all kind of fell flat because of all of the window dressing, all of the accoutrement of the scene that all needs to be building to the same kind of moment as mm -hmm. this actual thing. And I think that that's one of those things that if you go back to what we're talking about, as far as what makes a, um, a Harrison Ford flick is he probably for my money executes as good as anybody else that I can think of the hero's narrative. And we said a little mm -hmm. bit of that, but part of the hero's narrative is this, okay, we're starting low. We're starting here. We're building. We're building. That's why most people say that the beginning of a Harrison Ford flick is super boring because you're setting <laughs> the characters. You're setting the table. Act two comes. The volume gets turned up. Act three comes. We're now at a fever pitch. We're now at a crescendo moment where everything is kind of coming together to make for this climactic moment where the hero ends up saving the day. Yeah, I... There, there's a lot of redemption arcs to Harrison Ford films okay. where he, he has a lot of times where he is that really reluctant to be involved at all. 
Uh, then he steps up because of his family or whatever it may be. And then in the end, there's that redemption arc. And I see where they try to do that in A Force Awaken. And that's where I have appreciation for certain moments of that film. Uh, the moment where this has nothing to do with anything, but the moment where he he, he looks at, a, who was it, Finn or whatever, and he goes, that's not how the Force works. Oh, yeah. Best excellent. Line excellent line. Um, and then where he's actually going to Kylo and you know, the we're talking we're talking Han Solo from the get go. He's on guard. He's defensive from the get go. He doesn't want to be involved with all this because he's protecting his own skin kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And he ends by completely being vulnerable to his son. That mm-hmm. arc I get. That moment I get. The pieces surrounding it, like what Joe was talking about, that they just didn't they did not build to it right. He did great though, and that's where what's funny. I, I can't even say any of that about that fourth attempt to do an Indiana Jones film. I don't even remember it. It was so bad that I just blocked it from my memory. I'm like, I'm, I don't even know what happens in that movie. That's because really- it doesn't exist. I keep telling Brandon this, but nobody wants to listen to me. Oh, Rumors that there was some nonsense outside of the three, the three originals have been greatly over exaggerated. I'm willing to give the fifth one a chance. I have this. This is I, if they are, if they do it right. Cool. I'd love to see old man Indiana Jones. Obviously, I want him to explore another religion. I want it to be I want it to be Buddhism this time. An artifact from Buddhism. That'd be that'd be interesting. Sure. But, you know, I just don't I don't have faith that they'll do it right. (laughs) But I'll I'll watch it and then immediately forget it or something. Okay. here here is my (laughs) I'm going to backtrack a little bit, but I I want I want your take on this because something I said earlier, a lot of times there's a redemption arc to Harrison Ford films. But it's not your normal redemption arc of he was a bad guy and this happened and this happened and now he has to redeem himself. It's more of a he wants to be uninvolved. So my question is, is there a sense in which we think of like indifference almost as a sin or is that just kind of a coincidence in these movies? So I sin, I mean, like a sin against American culture, not like an actual biblical sin. (laughs) I'm thinking, is that just something that we as Americans just devalue? The sin of inaction? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Joe. That's literally the entirety of the the premise behind um humanitarian laws. Is that what they're called? Okay. Basically it was yeah. the law set mm. that they that they put out that 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 was put out, I want to say in the nineties, that basically uh, the original version of it was to to attempt to deputize citizens to get involved if they see um, something going on uh, in front yeah. of them and and put a stop to it sort of thing. The idea being that if you put the power in the people's hands, that people will want to be better. Um, we, we saw that that is unequivocally untrue, but Josh and I won't get into that conversation again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we actually, I would definitely- we actually knew that that was unequivocally true all the way back in the 90s because that is the entire plot of the series finale of Seinfeld. It's built around them not adhering to the brand new Good Samaritan laws. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a sin in this group, but I'll also have to say Seinfeld's another one of those shows I just could not get into. Oh, yep. Sorry. And Josh has to come in with his obligatory <laughs> wrong opinion every single episode. Listen, it's it's a requirement at this point. So so we establish it's a sin in our culture. Is is there anything actually wrong with inaction? Is there like do you actually need to redeem yourself if you just simply don't want to be involved or is it okay to just not want to be involved? I think I'll take the scapegoat answer just to get, just to get it started is that I I think it depends on all of the nuances because now Mm -hmm. things are so much more complicated than when Harrison Ford was, you know, in air force one, when he's saving the day as the president of the United States, you know, if he didn't want to, then it's like, Oh, well, you know, the president's a coward, whatever. But nowadays with things like, social media where social activism and also virtue signaling happens on almost every single person's page. To me, you have to get more nuanced than just I'm going to post a thing to show my allegiance with this thing, because if I'm not doing that, then that's inaction. And I'm, you know, contributing to the problem. No, you're not. It's FOMO. You you're you have a fear of missing out and you want to be included in the conversation. So you don't think I'm really doing much by putting banners on my profile photo? <laughs> Ooh, sorry, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Joe, what I, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have to agree that I think sometimes 
this falls very firmly in the aspects of nationalism that are um, problematic to say it the most diplomatically um, that I can, you know, that, that we, we have come to idolize men of action and that's a real man and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, yes, we have seen a, a mighty bite back against it with with my generation um, in certain mm-hmm. regards, but I do think that we are still feeling the the pains of I'll say it, mine being the first generation that really because you still hear from a lot of even my contemporaries in my age bracket, people of the same vintage as me, where they still are part of that pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of um, mm-hmm. mentality, but. Like Brandon said, though, I think it takes this weird manipulated version with social media that as long as I'm safely behind my keyboard, I can stand for whatever I want to stand for. I can put a nice banner on my social media picture that says, you know, I stand for this and all of that. And like that's. Yeah, hashtag I'm with this cause or whatever, and like pick your uh, if if you feel called out, then maybe check what you're doing on social media because that's that's a whole lot of people that just fall under that same umbrella that mm-hmm. I just that I just gave. You know what I mean? And, and so yeah, I, I I think either way you do see you do see a lot of this this criminalizing of inaction. But you know what? Yeah, there's is something too, and I think in a lot of regards, people would classify me as a as a macho guy, a lot of that that type A personality, and, and so yeah, there is a part of me that's like, yeah, you know, you do if you can do something, then do something. But I think it's nuanced enough that you need to be able to, um, you need to be able to understand that not every single situation is gonna need should be treated exactly the same. I'm not yes, behind the I, pulpit, so I can put it a little bit more blunt, bluntly. Sometimes it's best just to shut up and listen. Like oh sometimes yeah, it is best just to sit back and actually just hear everybody out. Just not what all the banners are saying. Just s- gather information. You're not being inactive. If anything, and I'll hear at the end of my life, if I have learned anything, it's that Sometimes sitting back and taking in the information is where the growth takes place because you're learning and then you can take the action steps necessary rather than just being reactionary. A lot of what we're talking about here isn't action, it's reaction. We're just a very reactionary culture that may have always existed. Social media just seems to hype a lot of it, but we're all about staying involved, getting involved. Hey, chill, take a step back. No one's going to die. If you don't say hashtag prayers and blessing and prayer thoughts and prayers, like <laughs> just chill. Yeah. So this is the part where I'll get political really quick. And then I'm going to turn the wheel very hard. Uh, all of the banners and hashtags and the people who do that and then vote for the president, which way they think is going to make a difference are the people who are doing the least actual difference making. Uh, The people who take time to study and learn and do all the stuff that Brandon talked about, uh, then vote on the years that there isn't a president on the ballot and they're voting for like stuff who's going to be on your school council board and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are the people who are actually making a difference. So if you want to make a real difference, there's a clue. Learn how your government works. Vote when it's not just a president on the board. And here's me taking that really hard turn as far as action and, 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 and in action. I'm going to uh, I'm going to take a Pentecostal answer here. And I'm going to first, I'm going to put myself in uh, Patriot Games. If I am in England, here's my take. If I'm in England and I see someone trying to assassinate other people and I don't want to be involved and I don't feel the spirit leading me to go get involved, I don't think I'm necessarily sinning or anything bad. If I don't go try and stop the guy with a gun, I might just be being smart because I don't have a gun. But if for some reason I feel very clearly the spirit saying, hey, you have to stop that or you have to do something and I don't do it, I then think it might be a sin. Interesting. Okay, That's my Pentecostal answer for you. (laughs) You have a Pentecostal answer. I'm going to take this a completely different route with Joe. Joe, we're both martial artists. Yeah. Do you feel a responsibility in that very hypothetical situation? Not that I'm saying that it's going to actually happen. Yeah. So, so I've thought about this a lot and this is a lot, (laughs) you, there's a lot of philosophy behind this as far as Mm -hmm. like, and honestly, of 
I'll say our generation in this instance, because you are part of that same generation where like a lot of us became martial artists because we watched too much UFC. Like a lot of people in our generation became MMA fighters because they watched one too many, one too many episodes of the ultimate fighter. If you actually go through the paces and you learn the actual philosophies behind these martial arts and things like that, which by the way, I'm going to go ahead and, and take take a page out of Josh's book, throw a grenade out there and just walk away from it. You are not <laughs> sinning or worshiping another God or some kind of oh, nonsense by yeah. learning a martial art, Thank by learning you. those kinds of philosophies and those kinds of mentalities and different things like that. But yeah, I mean, Sometimes getting involved in the situation just to be a macho guy is mm-hmm. just going to complicate the situation, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of mm-hmm. my whole philosophy on guns. Nine times out of 10, introducing a gun to a situation just overcomplicates the situation, yes. right? Yep. And just like attacking will overcomplicate the situation, even if it's with your hands, right? Mm-hmm. And using your skills. Mm-hmm. If there's an opening and you there's a very clear like – you can defend and disarm and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, there is a le- there is a layer and a level to all of this that says, you know what? I am going to protect the person who can't protect themselves. I am going to jump in and get involved, um, especially if you can de-escalate the situation. Sure. You know what I mean? Don't walk yeah. in there thinking that you're Rambo, that you're going to disarm <laughs> five guys and all of that kind of stuff. But- if you are an expert martial artist and there is an opening to diffuse the situation one way or the other, then yeah, go ahead and take it. So yeah, for me, it's still nuanced and all mm-hmm. of those kinds of things. But I do think that as a martial artist, as somebody who has gone through the time and the training to understand how these different um, forms work and how to defend and how to attack and all of those kinds of things – yeah, I do think that there is a bit of a responsibility on our shoulders to get involved. I'm curious, Brandon, because you are far more of a pacifist than I am. <laughs> you are far more even keeled, I guess, in a lot of respects than I am. So I'm curious to get to sit, same question to you. Sure. So first off, uh, my thing was Jackie Chan. My dad let me watch so many Jackie Chan movies when <laughs> I was a kid. That's why. Nice. And also Samurai Jack was amazing. Still one of my favorite shows. And that is very seriously my roots into the martial arts world. What is interesting is that, okay, so when I was a single guy, it was definitely like, yep, I'm jumping. I'm jumping in. Uh-huh. I will, I will uh-huh. help fight. I will help protect. Uh, yes. Got married. Still pretty much the same response. Now that I have a kid, there's this extra layer there that makes me slow down a bit more. If there is a situation, a Josh, you used a um, Harrison Ford example. I'll, I'm going to use one <laughs> that I actually have thought about. I go to a large non-denominational church where there is a lot of people. So yep. it is not out of the question that something could happen. Actually, in real time, I don't live too far away from where there was a shooting over on the 4th of July in Illinois. I'm not too far from there. So I I think about these things and my response just very recently with this two month old here has gone from, yeah, I'm I'm going in to take this guy down to I am going to do what I can to get my family and anyone near me out of out for safety. If that means Mm -hmm. I have to take somebody out along the way. okay, so here's the unedited version. That sucker is going down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that so that's part of the nuance that I was talking about. Yeah. So there uh, again, I juxtapose the um the whole uh guy that watched one too many episodes of The Ultimate Fighter versus an actual martial artist <laughs> because they tend yeah. to come with two very very different philosophies. There's mm-hmm. one that's just attack, I'm big, I'm bad, I can bop 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 my guy, if you walk around with your chest puffed out and you walk around the biggest, baddest dude in the yard, guess what happens to the biggest, baddest dude in the yard if somebody's trying to prove a point and mm-hmm. doesn't care about shedding a little blood in order to do it? I'm just saying, like, that's just yeah. the reality oh, yeah. of the situation. And yeah. so, generally speaking, a martial artist, their first goal is to defuse and de escalate. Sometimes that mm-hmm. defusing and de escalating comes at the hand 
of getting physically involved and yeah. things like that. A lot of times it just comes down to either getting people out of harm's way or talking down the person, de-escalating the situation that way, that sort of thing. Whereas that physical altercation part of it is kind of a break glass in case of emergency sort of situation mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to walk around ready to beat the crap out of anybody. I'm not Chuck Liddell, record, nor do I pretend to be. For the record, my my in for MMA was Karate Kid. Let's nice. go. That's why I did it. <laughs> Bro, you're probably like, you're not the only one. So many people. So many Good people. movies, man. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, we'll get a the original well, movie. Movies. I How I feel to the Karate Kid movie sequels is how Joe feels to the non-existent Harrison Ford, or Indiana Jones <laughs> 4 and 5. There was only yeah. one, maybe two yeah. if I'm feeling good. Definitely nothing after that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take this for two. Yeah. So, hey, you listening to this. Now I'm trying to act like a tough guy. Hey, if you're listening to this episode, head on over to the Priest of the Geeks Facebook page and let us know your thoughts on in action. I will say, though, we have a great group, but just as a bit of a disclaimer, be civil. Be civil about it. I could see how this could maybe escalate quickly and suddenly our whole discourse on inaction turns into a lot of action. So, but let us know, what do you think? <laughs> and what Harrison Ford movie do you want us to cover in the future? Last pick yes. witness. How have we had this whole conversation and not brought up witness once? I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely forgot about that movie. That's Guys, I have sinned and um, Brandon, <laughs> come and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> well, on the note of Josh being a sinner, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. <laughs> I love you. I know. So, guys, mm. uh, do we have any recommendations today for our lovely audience? I got a ridiculous recommendation. Go, go for, for it. it. So uh, there is a music video of David Tennant, like when he was the doctor, the whole cast Dancing to I'm going to be 500 miles. Yes. I will walk 500 miles. Literally Everyone's every single that. time, every <laughs> single time now that I hear that song, that is immediately what comes to my mind. To the point where my wife and I, if it comes on, we'll both just start. Yeah, I'm like, I'm torn between that music video and then obviously all the How I Met Your Mother references. But I just, yeah, that music video, if you haven't seen it and you like Doctor Who, Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Joe, yeah. how about you? <laughs> um, man, I would suggest like as a as a movie buff, um, I would I would absolutely suggest that if there are movies that we have covered in this episode that you're like, huh, I may have heard about that and I've never I've never, you know, watched it, or I may have, you know, whatever, or they, they were new to you, do yourself the favor. Go check them. Go check them out because mm -hmm. they are. They, if if you are a fan of cinema, then these are all must watches. Absolutely. As Except for, me, for aliens and cowboys. <laughs> cowboys and aliens. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> uh, as for me, what is my recommendation? What we've been doing lately. Um, I've been watching movies that aren't good. Um, <laughs> don't watch War with Jason Statham and Jet Li. That movie was not good. <laughs> I just finished that for coming on the air. But something I have been watching that has been enjoyable is Adventure Time. My, I, yes. my wife and I are binging Adventure Time. I've seen a bulk of it. She's never seen any of it. And I'm surprised how much she loves it. And it's great. We, it is a great show. We'll get around to it eventually. Josh, have you you've seen it? I want to do an episode on that now. <laughs> I'll let you bring it up. Nice. The overarching story. I love it. It's good. We just got to yeah. Finn losing his arm. Oh, good stuff. And the flower grows. All right, Joe. I'm hold, no, hold up. No, hold up. No adventure hold up. time we're not for you. Getting, we're not getting off of this for that that easily. Uh, you guys set me up for my obligatory hot take. I honestly think that Adventure Time is dumb. I I think that that whole crop of generation of like it's it's honestly the worst sin that. The, the creators of The Simpsons bestowed on humanity was starting the ball rolling on this kind of adult animation nonsense with Family Guy, Futurama, 
All of them. At Rick and Morty, stupid. Adventure Time, stupid. Like every one of these, like part of part of what made original South Park and original Simpsons so good is that like it was thoughtfully done. It wasn't just poop humor. Like it wasn't just toilet humor. That was just just juvenile humor. You know what I mean? Like that, like it just it's so low hanging, especially as each one of these shows has gone on into their later seasons. It's gotten worse and worse. That it's just five-year-old humor. Like it's not and I, I it, honestly I would put it in the same category as the the early to mid two thousands um redneck comedy gimmick where people were just sitting oh. around laughing at ignorance and like that's not sure. sorry i'm not i'm not down for for just laughing at ignorance i just i'm not let's try and not be ignorant let's do that instead um but yeah i i just i don't know i'm that yeah. whole subgenre is just 100 lost on me my obligatory disagreement with joe is that the, the reason I like these and not Simpsons and the other one is because I like intelligent, overarching stories, and that is what I find in Adventure Time. I will agree with Joe on Rick and Morty. Mm, to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. No, I, I've it's tried one of those twice. For me, goes, I go back and forth where I'm like, sometimes this is funny, and sometimes I'm like, why? Why? Why is this a thing? If yeah, the episode was Scary Terry, if the episode with Scary Terry was the only episode of Rick and Morty ever, then it would be a pretty good show. Outside of that, no, it's not for me. All right, well, that was a whole that was a whole segment. Um, <laughs> well, if you somehow have made it this far into the episode still, and you're still listen listening to us <laughs> ramble on, thanks. You're probably the all stars of the fan base. Please go on over to systematicology.org where you can check out all of the episodes just in case you missed any of them. Or you can see what all the other hosts are up to with all of our various projects and sundries. I think that's it. Thank you all for listening. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.